0: Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE is a catalyst for change in the engineering industry, and one of the biggest ways we inspire that change is through our annual SWE Conference for Women Engineers and Technologists. This year's conference, WE21 in Indianapolis, Indiana, will help attendees at all ages and stages learn, connect, and grow. Join us for three days of networking and relationship building, over 250 professional development sessions, three inspirational keynotes, and a career fair featuring more than 300 exhibitors. Let's aspire to inspire at WE21, October 21st through the 23rd. Head to we21.swe.org for more info and to register.
1: Hello, I'm Monica Harrison, FY22 Chair of the Membership Committee of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Today, I'm joined by Dana Johnson, FY22 Society President-Elect, Juliana Degnis, Lead of the Global Membership Workgroup and Larissa Shelkin, also from the Global Membership Workgroup, which is part of the membership committee. Dana Johnson is the Market Intelligence Leader for North America for grid solutions at GE Renewable Energy. She joined GE in 2012 as a commercial manager, leading large teams through the bidding process to develop proposals for high voltage electrical substations. She holds a Bachelor's of Science in Civil Engineering, and a Master's of Engineering Management from Valparaiso University, and she is a licensed professional engineer and lead accredited professional. She lives in the Chicago area with her husband, two sons, and family dog. Welcome, Dana. Juliana Dagnese is a quality integration engineer at John Deere Des Moines Works in Iowa. Juliana completed her engineering degree as a material science engineer in 2008, and graduated with a master's of science in material science and metallurgical engineering from Federal University of Rio Grande do Sul in Brazil in 2012. In 2017, Juliana completed a certificate program in international trade and commerce and global business management at UCLA Extension. Welcome Juliana, thank you for joining us today. Larissa K. Shelkin is CEO and founder of Global STEM Education Center, Larissa is the author of The Global STEM Classroom. She develops and runs collaborative global STEM programs with schools in Massachusetts and around the world. Prior to that, Larissa held executive positions in academia and global STEM corporations. Larissa is a fellow for educational policy. She studied science, diplomacy, and data governance for sustainable development goals at the United Nations Training and Research Institute. She is a UNITAR Global Diplomacy Initiative Fellow. She is a NASA GLOBE educator and a NASA GLOBE partner since 2014. Larissa Shelkin holds a Bachelor of Science and a Master's of Science in Petroleum Engineering and a Master's of Science in Computer Science. Prior to moving to Massachusetts in the United States, she and her family lived in Russia, India, and Africa. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you so much, Monica,
2: for that introduction. This is Dana, and I'm so excited to be here with Juliana and Larissa today. Let's get started by learning a little bit about both of you. Starting with Juliana, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, including things like where you've
3: lived, worked, gone to school that maybe we didn't
2: quite capture in that introduction?
3: Hello. It's an honor to be here with you. It's very important to me to give a voice to the global members And yes, for sure. Let me talk a little bit about my background. So I'm a Brazilian citizen and I was born there, grew up and went to college there and even started my career in Brazil as an engineer. So currently I'm working as a quality integration engineer for John Deere, as Monica said. And I graduated in 2009 with a bachelor's degree in material science engineering. And also had my master with the same engineering school in 2012. My international experience started with a scholarship opportunity in Germany in 2007. And in 2010, I went back to Germany at Bremen University for another six months to complete my master's degree. My career started at industry with a couple of internships and companies in Brazil, including John Deere. I moved to U.S. five years ago when I I went to UCLA for my certification. And after a year, I moved to Iowa and started working here at, at John Deere. So that's basically my story, my career story with engineering.
2: That's quite the journey to get from Brazil all the way over to Iowa by way of Germany. Definitely an exciting history there.
3: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I never thought, and like many years ago that I will be here, so it's it's very interesting. We're happy to have you here, just down the road for me, down i eighty.
2: Larissa, can you tell us a little bit about your background as well?
4: Sure. I also would like to say it's a privilege to share our stories with all of you who are listening. And I would like to encourage more global members to look and to learn more about society of women engineers. And I hope our stories would help you to learn more about our journeys and encourage you to follow our footsteps and to join this wonderful society. I went to school in Bashkardistan. My high school was a UNESCO Associated Academy, and it was very important for me because we had uh, great connections through that UNESCO affiliation with many international schools around the world. I studied for bachelor's degree and my master's degree, and I started to work towards my doctoral degree in Moscow, uh, Russia. So education in Russia is a very high quality, and I'm so proud that I went to a Russian MIT, if you will. So that was a exceptionally great experience. So yes, as you shared in the, at the beginning of this podcast, that my family lived and worked in different places of the world, including Ashkardistan, which is a central Asian part of Russia in Moscow. Russia, which is European part of Russia, also we lived in Northern Africa, and we lived in many years in India, because my father was the second generation of engineers, devoted his effort to diplomacy through engineering collaborative projects, and that was a very good example for me to follow as well. So I'm really. Grateful for my life experience, and I'm happy to share my stories with you.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, I think between the two of you, we've got most of the major world regions covered here so far between South America, Europe, Russia, India, quite the diversity of locations. So that's definitely exciting to look into here. While you were both abroad, you clearly found out about SWE somehow, and maybe it wasn't until you came to the U.S., so I'm wondering, starting with you, Larissa, when did you first learn about SWE and what made you choose to get involved?
4: Sure. Uh, my first job here in the U.S. Um, in uh, I came to uh, Massachusetts was in Worcester Polytechnic Institute. And we had a very strong uh, student section of Society of Women Engineers. And I got involved because I was looking for the ways to build my network professional network and I found this is one of the best way to really start your new life and new professional uh, relations through uh, societies like society of women engineers from my perspective is the best societies but there are many other professional associations as well anyway I'm grateful that Worcester Polytechnic Institute welcomed me to Society of women engineers and I've been with the society ever since for last many many years.
2: Excellent. We're grateful to have you, Juliana. Same question. How did you learn about SWE and
3: what made you get involved? So, Dana, I started working for John Deere in 2010 as a quality engineer, and in 2011 I had the opportunity to attend the week conference in Chicago. So I heard, yes, I heard about the, the society through co-workers. From actually they were from US. So I used to work with them in a project down there. And one of the the engineers for the project, she was one of the advocates for Sweet. So she She saw something in me and like, okay, Juliana, you're going to get involved with this. And I'm like, since then I just became passionate about it because when I had this first opportunity to attend the conference and I saw so many empowered women and like in leadership positions and like making that huge conference happening and so much talk about women career and how further we can go that it just changed completely my mindset so that was inspiring and i understood the value of extending that experience to my other brazilian engineer coworkers so in 2013 i started a chapter of sweet at john deere tractors facility down there I had an assignment with an EGR group, and then I saw the opportunity to start this chapter there. And with that, I was able to kind of engage more and more women within the company, within that facility. And now this chapter in Brazil that I, I just started to get involved in 2012 has so many people involved and it's reaching out so much so many members that like watching the incredible talented women that are making it happen makes me extremely proud and keeps me engaged and I see that there's I should keep doing more that's why I choose to be part of the organization in one of the committees because I feel like I need to continue the work that is done by all those women. So that was my first experience with SWE. It was very, very inspiring. And that's why I'm here today. That's amazing, Juliana. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm
2: especially happy to hear that your first real entrance into SWE was in Chicago in my neck of the woods. And little known fact, I was one of the co-chairs of the local host committee when the annual conference, WE11, was in Chicago. So it's got a little soft spot in my heart, and I got really excited to hear you say that. But the things that are going on in Brazil with SWE are quite impressive, and I'm glad that you're a part of that as well. As we continue talking about some of the different global trends, what I'm wondering is, especially being international women in engineering, what sorts of obstacles have you faced and how did you overcome them? And we'll go ahead and start with Juliana
3: on this one as well. Okay, that's a a very good question. And there's a lot behind, of course, it's just even a short time to list everything that could be an obstacle. But I would highlight some points. First of all, as of course, the cultural perspective, right? So when we grew up in another nation, uh, we're used to other rules, even like regarding your daily routine, like everything is different, the way you do your taxes, what type of, I would say, attitudes you have to, to, to have toward other people, like what is considered okay, what is not okay. So I think that's the first shocking portion of that. And I can say that it's even something that makes us to want to go back to our culture, right? Because it's hard to navigate through that. But once you pass that specific obstacle, then other things, it starts to like, I would say stand out, right? So language barrier, this is one of the things. And like, In your career, when you were like facilitating meetings, when you want to accomplish something, sometimes you don't feel 100% confident that you were passing the right message, that people understand what you want. And of course, that's natural. That is going to happen with anyone that adventures in a a different culture, right? But that's one of the things that I would say and regarding like at least U.S., I would say that because I come from a country, it's a developing country, so in the U.S., things are a little bit more advanced on this topic of women in engineering field, right? So for me, it was easier to be an engineer in the company here because I was already seen differently of how I was seen on my own country. So for me, it was like, no, this is great. Like people are more respectful. Um, here you have more opportunities, like leadership positions. As I said, when I started getting involved with SWE, I saw so many women in leadership position that it inspired me. And it's, I started to see myself like capable to getting there. So that's a good thing, right? But we don't feel 100% confident because of the cultural portion, the language barrier and everything else that you have to figure it out because you didn't figure that out while you were growing, while you were developing as a person. So you have to go through other things, not just your career. You have to adapt to the culture. It's something else that happens that it may jeopardize a little bit, you know, other things, like the way you will perform. Right. So I think that's one of the things that I could highlight. If that makes sense.
2: And it absolutely makes sense.
3: One question I've got for you, Juliana. At what age did you learn English? So I started learning English when I was about 12 years old. My first English teacher was Elenis Morissette. (laughs) And yes, I love it. So I just wanted to understand, you know, the lyrics. And, And that's when I started learning English. And I look for English classes, like private English classes. Because I wanted to develop my English skills. And then later, when I started my engineering school, and a lot of things, a lot of articles, books, they were in English, that also encouraged me to like keep developing that. And when I started working working for uh, a global company, that also kind of drove the need to develop even more so 12 years old is when it started yeah excellent thank you so much juliana larissa
2: i'm guessing that you probably have some similar trends maybe not learning english from alanis morissette but wondering what other obstacles you've faced maybe other than what juliana has mentioned or potentially compounding on what she's she's talked about previously as well
4: Sure. Happy to share my story. I started as a field engineer on Siberian pipeline as my that was my internship experience, and I proceeded to work in engineering research and development. So I had a great experience working with many women engineers through my collaborative projects with different countries. So and I've been very fortunate since, as I mentioned at the beginning, that I grew up in an engineering family, and I, it was since my childhood, I had a really unique experience uh, communicating and observing and uh, getting uh, close with, with those women engineers in the field who were working with my parents and working before with my grandparents, who were both very good engineers themselves. So the obstacles, uh, similar to what Juliana mentioned, of course, there is obstacle in different cultural perspectives. There is a language barrier. There are some obstacles in organizational cultures as you're moving from one international company to another international company. So in cumulative effect, it's it's just something that you have to, expect and not to be panic about this, if, if I may use that word, because this is something that we need to all together to overcome and help each other. What helped me personally, and again, as I said, I'm very fortunate to have experiences in my engineering family, to have a number of women in petroleum engineers from Texas, who were my role models and who I had experience really asking difficult questions. And and I had support from them uh, throughout my, especially beginning of my professional years. And having a mentor or role model, someone who've been there before, it helps tremendously. So from early on, as I said, uh, I've been very fortunate to have American petroleum engineers who were who my mentors in my role model. So I'm really grateful for that.
2: That's such a great point, Larissa, about having mentors and role models. And I especially appreciate hearing that cemented around the world as being something that's crucial for female engineers to succeed. So I appreciate that perspective. Larissa, as we continue, I'm hoping that you can talk a little bit about how living and working in more than one country has really impacted your worldview. I know that you mentioned a number of different places that you've lived before coming to the US.
4: Yes, I'm very grateful for all my experiences and being exposed to the culture in India, in, in Morocco, in Algeria, and in Kenya, and in France, in in Russia really gave me a really nice inside look into different cultures I since my childhood I learned that yes we're all different uh, but it's a beautiful world out there and this is not an obstacle if you really take a deep breath and really look into the world with your open heart and mind and enjoy your journey There are so many beautiful cultures. There are so many different beautiful uh, languages. There are so many beautiful faces and, and stories. It's just such a rich and wonderful world out there. So I see it from the perspective of amazement and admiration for all our differences. And I don't see it as something that really a barrier. I see it might be a challenge when you start really digging deep into that completely unknown world. But if you approach it from the perspective of respect, uh, if you approach it from the perspective of admiration, and if with well wishes, so to speak, uh, you will uh, build your knowledge, you will build your network. And there is a great American expression with, you can correct me if I'm getting it wrong, but... What comes around, goes around, or is it vice versa? So in other words, yes. <laughs> so in other words, it really a great reward will be waiting for you when you will be on your journey to really diving into their cultural richness. So don't be afraid. Go there with open heart and mind and enjoy the ride, so to speak.
2: No, I appreciate that, Larissa. Thank you. I really really like the enjoy your journey enjoy the ride perspective of that i think that a lot of times even i'd say we in the us almost get a little starstruck going to some of these other countries and and one of the things that i have really liked that people always say or that people have always told me is to to not act like a tourist to allow those cultures to really soak into you while you're there and Literally enjoy the journey. Yes.
4: If I may add just a couple more words, I'm really honored to be a fellow at United Nations on global diplomacy. And that's really an answer to your question how has living and working in more than one country impact, impacted me? So it brought me professionally to this point where I'm really happy to give back, to give back to the global community. And it really brought me to the understanding that we're all in this together with all our beautiful minds, with all our differences, uh, we can really do a lot of great things together. We cannot really be separated from one another. So that's my perspective. And again, especially when we starting more and more concern about sustainability and how to save our small planet Earth, we can only do it together. There is no way we can achieve anything separately from one another. No, I agree, Larissa. That's a great point. Juliana, did you have anything that you wanted to
2: add as far as living and working in more more than one country and how that's impacted your worldview?
3: Yes, I would say this question is one of the most difficult questions because it's almost impossible to describe or quantify the impact, right? You have to leave that to understand. So it's really hard to to express that. But to add to Larissa's comments, when you start, like when you get to know a different culture, uh, different from yours, you start understanding your own culture. And things that you never thought about before, some biases and even some privileges you have or you don't have that you never thought about it, it starts just to like pop up on your mind. And I think that it's like the beauty of that because change as individuals. So if I look at Juliana before my cultural like cross-cultural experiences and and now it's just totally different person like even what I what appeals to me sometimes is different by like knowing for example U.S. culture and how much battles and like how much initiatives happen in the plat- in the past To get to the point we are right now as a society, and I mentioned that in another meeting with Monica and you some some weeks ago, it just makes you understand what is your role, right? How you're influencing the whole community around you by realizing those differences and how much this like how much U.S. has been done and how much you guys are pushing to other countries that are coming behind, it's just a big deal. It's a big responsibility. So what it started here, it ends up being extended to developing countries, for example. And by being here and understanding all this mentality and how people act toward this makes me understand some stuff about my culture and understand why things doesn't happen the way they happen here. And it helps me to bring that up to my fellows, to my friends in Brazil, and it helps me to drive initiatives that will uh, speed up the process there. So it's just like too much. It's a lot. It's even overwhelming how much and enlightening it is.
2: What do you think that others in industry can do to help create a more diverse and inclusive environment within their companies or their teams? Starting back with you, Larissa.
4: Sure. Society of Women Engineers has come a long way. If Just to remind everybody that the society was founded in 1950, so 71 years ago. So much progress has been made through seven decades of SWE. And today we celebrate not only women, but society-wide efforts that made a real difference, not only for women in engineering, but for all citizens of our country and citizens of the world. So I'm really proud that I belong to Society of Women Engineers and support strongly diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts that really make a huge difference in our country. And I would like to emphasize the SWE as a global leader in diversity, equity, and inclusion, which to me, it's a leader in democracy in, 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 in the world. So, And I know for sure that uh, with all many sections, uh, professional sections and collegiate sections and global affiliate groups throughout the world, SWE leadership means much more than word can say. So again, I am very proud and privileged to be belonging to this global leader in diversity, equity, and inclusion not only in our country, but setting up an example for the rest of the world. Thank you, Larissa. I agree so much that there's a lot of work left to do, even though we've
2: done quite a bit so far. Juliana, have you seen anything from your perspective that you think could help the industry create a more diverse and inclusive environment?
3: So from my point of view, countries, they're in different level of social development as I said so one of the things that I believe that is needed is like having people more educated on politic activism for example to start developing or getting engaged on approving bills or amendments that will actually contribute like talk to their legislators like what is need? What is relevant to STEM education and women in engineering workforce that we need to to change to help companies and industry to actually promote diversity? Because I believe that it's important that industry take like small steps on promoting diversity within the workplace. But it's a job that needs to be done not just by the industry we need like the government involved in some countries and i see the level of engagement and activism on getting those policies developed and approved with the government is different on each country so why the companies they don't start to to look into that why industry doesn't start to work with the government to approve or to get like amendments that will help them to promote this diversity. So I think this is a a point that is very important to to the industry to be able to truly make progress within diversity in the workplace. Agreed. Thank you,
2: Juliana. Sometimes I think we in the U.S. forget how far some countries lag behind us on, on a variety of policies And it helps to talk to people like you and get that refresher that we feel like we're doing decent things here, but we need to make sure that we bring the whole world with us when we talk about global equity for for all sorts of things these days. It feels like we're talking about that, but we definitely need to keep that front and center in mind. I have one final question for both of you. We'll go ahead and start with Juliana and then wrap up with Larissa. And that question is, what else can SWE do to support and grow our global membership to help people like yourself?
3: My point of view as a global member is that, as any other product or company that will uh, that wants to expand to another culture, global members will perceive professional organizations like SWE differently, right? Depending on their career stage, and this is. These are not news, right? What is different from the no global members is that this need on each career stage will differ from nation to nation. So what we can do to understand what needs to be done for like each nation on their stage of career is different. So we're again, we're talking about the need to customize the initiatives and benefits to the local needs. To reach out more members in other countries, SWE needs to adapt its benefits and its initiatives to that local. And so that's why SWE it's very dependent on global members' inputs and affiliates and ambassadors because you're not going to be able to figure it out what needs to be done if you don't get the input from people from those countries. So I would say that the society could develop partnership like with local organizations that already have their goals aligned to SWE and support their existing initiatives because it's a win-win. The society expands its global footprint, gain popularity, benefits from the existing projects that are already appealing to the local community. And the local organizations benefit from the support to execute their strategy because we has so much experience and already worked on so many initiatives that its knowledge will, will be very, very valuable to those nations that they don't even know where to start with. A successful example is a strategy developed by the first Lego League, which fostered the development of students on the coding and robotic side. And they developed partnerships with local uh, non-profitable organizations in the countries. And with that, they were able to like execute the strategy on those countries, utilizing the local workforce. So it is just like a perfect match. And this is also a very non-move used as a strategy by multiple global companies to expand their businesses to other countries as well. So I think that's one of the things that SWE as an organization could pursue. And I'm sure there's already some work being done on that side but how can we utilize our members our ambassadors and affiliates to get that strategy developed that's the point that we as committee we are trying to figure it out we are trying to build that strategy right thank you
2: juliana there's so much truth to the fact that our Our members in these different areas are what I would call the boots on the ground, the people in the area that can bring that knowledge back to us and really help us with that. Larissa, same question for you as far as what can SWE do to support and grow our global membership?
4: Yes, it's very important for uh, all industries to pay attention to the best practices and to exchange these best practices. So. Long before the affinity groups were created, and now they transformed into the employee resource groups, which made a significant, significant progress in the work environment in terms of creating more diverse and inclusive environment. And it's not only for women, it's, it concerns everyone who works in all industry, because this work really does include all of us together. So there is no way we can set aside one group uh, separately from another and advocate for inclusion. No, we're all in this together. It's for all of us to really join forces. And that's the only way we can create diverse and inclusive environment that is true to its core. And I'm really taking my hat off to many companies here in US and around the world who are making a tremendous progress in that direction. But again, that a lot of work is still ahead of us and we still need to continue our efforts together.
2: Thank you, Larisa. I'll go further and say that I think women engineers should play a significant role in achieving all of our global goals, but definitely that one in particular as well. And I take away from that last question, a number of notes that I jotted down on how we can continue to improve globally as far as our our work with our global members. I wanna take a moment again to thank both of you, Juliana and Larissa for your discussion with me today regarding our global network. And with that, I wanna pass it back over to Monica for a few closing thoughts.
1: Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you, Dana, Juliana, Larissa. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. So many rich stories and content and statements and wisdom that you have shared with us today. I really hope that you will continue to enlighten us and share your depth of experience with us. I found myself almost living vicariously through you for all the amazing places that you have lived and worked. So again, it's our privilege to have you here today. And for our listeners, we hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. Do you have any closing comments, Larissa, Juliana, or Dana, before we sign off? Sure.
4: I'm happy to share my thoughts. First, I would like to acknowledge again the tremendous success of SWE having throughout the world establishing and running and maintaining 60, 65 global affiliate groups who are very active. And I'm very proud of SWE working with all of these affiliates in many different countries and making a tremendous progress. And I would like all of you who are listening to this podcast to really look more into the details of what activities, what events, what networks, uh, what What other events are happening? Because there are so many different activities. uh, You would probably be interested in participating in many of them. So just to add a few ideas into what Juliana was saying and uh, what SWE is already doing, I would like to encourage uh, SWE to take advantage of virtual technology uh, communication and really put a little bit more effort into more frequent networking, the global level. We don't have to travel. It's very expensive and it's very time consuming. But I think there is a huge under potential into bringing us all together through virtual global collaboration, through virtual global communication. I also would like to Encourage me to highlight professional achievements. We're already doing a lot in that direction, but I would like to see a little bit more and maybe include that into uh, the virtual communication uh, themes uh, to really highlight the professional achievements of many our women engineers around the world. It's fantastic when we get together for many different events and gatherings But I'm so proud of my colleagues' achievements in the U.S., in all other countries. I would like to share their success stories uh, from an engineering perspective. It's just really fantastic what they do. Which brings me to another strong point that there is a very fast, I would just say, exponentially growing interest in sustainable development goals around the world. And I feel women engineers, through the Society of Women Engineers, can play a very significant role in adding into that joint effort of the world. As a Global Diplomacy Fellow, I really would like to bring more women engineers into this line of work because we, as engineers, have a very special uh, perspective on what needs to be done, how it can be done, and what else can we do together, bringing science and engineering together into that into that effort. I especially realize that as under top potential to grow global membership uh, since I've been approached by many of my colleagues, who are women engineers in South America, in Australia, in in Asia, and in Europe, who would like to give back to community and looking for the ways to really be part of something meaningful, such as bringing the effort towards and contributing towards sustainable development goals. So from my perspective, women engineers and society in general can play a leadership role it can really contribute significantly to the progress in that direction and i'm happy to share more information for those of you who are interested it's very easy to contact with all of us through the society of women engineers network so bottom line women engineers can and should play a special role in the world progress towards achieving sustainable development goals
3: And thank you, Monica. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Larissa. I make my words, Larissa's words. I really would like to encourage members to get more involved and engaged and help with this, I would say, glide pad that we have. So that's a very good way to contribute. You can develop yourself. You will get in contact with amazing women that are all inspiring, all role models. So please be part of that.
4: For those who are looking for the ways to find the best way to contribute to the progress in the world towards democracy, towards a just, diverse, equitable, and inclusive world, towards sustainable world, towards really a fantastic world, just one of the best way you can really do it to join Global Network through the Society of Women Engineers. I'm truly privileged and proud to be part of the Society of Women Engineers. And I would like to invite all of you to follow to follow our footsteps, and we will welcome you with our open minds and hearts. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you again. And from all of us at SWE, thanks for listening.
0: enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Remember to head to we21.swe.org to learn more about and register for this year's conference.